Well, howdy, y'all. It's great to see you again, or some of you for the first time. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, please introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you. We also have uh, these things called uh, connection cards. They are either in your bulletin or in the back of the seat. Uh, they're a really great way to share prayer requests, also to fill out information. If you would like to fill this out with your name and address, and you would like to update your information, uh, please mark that you're updating their information. We also have a box on the front that says, you know, first time guest or things like that. So then we know, because uh, sometimes it's, it's confusing because it's like, okay, someone like there are people that write their name and address and number down every week. And it's like, okay, did this change? And so then it's like, okay. Uh, so just let us know. Uh, we, hopefully in the, I'm trying to create like a new connection card. And on that connection card, it'll say like updated information or new information, that sort of stuff. But we don't have that box yet. So just let us uh, know. Uh, also, uh, I have to send the letters out that I have written to the people that have filled out uh, connection cards uh, for the first time. So if you're waiting on that, it is, it is happening. It's going to take place. Uh, we want you to know that when you are here, you are family. And what that means is that each and every week we are excited to be a family together. Uh, some of you grew up in a, in a very uh, functional house where it was really fun and, and it was exciting and it was safe. And some of you, when you think of family, it brings a lot of sense of danger and a sense of where you don't know if you're safe. But this is a fun, safe place to be. So that's the environment we're trying to create. There's no assigned seats. There's no ulterior motives or agendas. Uh, very little politics, right? It's just a group of people trying to follow a perfect Jesus in an imperfect world. So thank you for joining us uh, and being here in order to do that uh, together. We have so many uh, serving opportunities. If you're still like, I really want to serve, I want to get involved. We have a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can find uh, Michelle, our, our office administrator back here in the Stars and Stripes Forever, and uh, she's back there. And so talk to her. Uh, there'll be uh, you'll see in the next coming weeks, we're going to have, uh, you'll see there's a TV now in the Welcome Center. And so that's going to have uh, the serving opportunities. It's going to say, hey, we need help here and here and here. And so where would you like to sign up and serve? There's lots of stuff there. We, we still need a, a bunch of people to help on October 31st for our, our harvest carnival. Uh, the more people that we have to help serve, to set up and take down, uh, the quicker we'll be out of here. So I want to be done by 8 p.m. here which means I'd like to be out of this building clean and everything done by 9 p.m., right? You li I like the laughter. Uh, many hands make light work, uh, so it's, it's going to be really fun. I also understand if you got young kids, sometimes it's hard, uh, as I totally get, because I have young kids and it's hard, but that's my plan, is to be out of here. Uh, you guys have done a great job. We have almost one full 55-gallon drum full of candy, so great job filling that up. Uh, I think we probably need six or seven more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Or maybe not. Yeah, I mean, just give the kids candy. Give them what they want. Uh, so we're excited to partner with our community and bringing, again, we talk about a safe, fun place. If we can get the community to understand that that's not just who we are one day, two days, three days of the year. That's who we are each and every week. Uh, we're excited to partner with our community that way. Okay, so we're going to continue our uh, sermon series called Driven, uh, where we're trying to determine how to allow the Holy Spirit to have the driver's seat in our lives, where I'm answering questions that y'all have uh, posed, and uh, it's ex it's exciting for me to to you know kind of 
pray about and think about uh, what these, these answers are, and uh, it's really cool. So uh, again, the, the sermon series is based on Galatians 5, verse 25, which is, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, right? Keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit, obviously referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in all of us who have believed and have uh, been baptized into the kingdom of God, but even though He is in all of us, some of us don't make the decisions that we should. Can we be honest about that? Maybe all of us at times, we don't make the decisions that we should. So the question that was asked this week, uh, it was somebody asked me in person. Uh, this is exactly what they said, word for word. Okay, I don't make much money, and I haven't been attending church for long, and I know I'm supposed to tithe, but how much should I give, and why do I have this feeling like I have to give? And I think that's a, that's a great question, and I want to start this uh, message by uh, expressly stating that uh, I pray that we never make anyone feel obligated to partner with us financially. We would never be like, uh, you know, hey, if you come here, you have to, to pay this much and, and show us your, you know, your uh, tax returns so we can know exactly how much you need to give to the church. It, that, it's not what it's about at all. It's, it, when it comes to, to how the, the church leadership uh, views you, we want to help you make the best decisions in your life. We're not trying to force anyone to do anything. So it is never our desire to make anyone feel burdened. And so I pray today as you listen to this message that you wouldn't say, well, Brian told me that I have to give or I have to get out. Those are my two options because it's not true at all. Uh, but just know that we value relationship more than we have any, we don't have any expectations uh, for finances. Is that clear? We value your relationship. We don't have any expectations for finances. Uh, that being said, we do need finances to pay for things, right? Uh, we, are, we are extremely blessed that we don't have a mortgage, right? Those of you who have been in this church for a long time, you guys, you did the hard work. You paid off all of the bills. That was one of the really exciting things when Bob Wood came to me and said, hey, there's this church, and he showed me the building. I'm like, man, I, I, what's the mortgage? Oh, there is none. They already did the hard work. They paid off the mortgage. They have this huge building. Now let's fill it with people. And I was like, praise God, let's go. So I was really excited. Uh, but what we do have is, uh, you know, electricity and gas and, you know, pumping the septic tanks and water and general upkeep. And we have two full-time employees. We have phones, internet, musical equipment. Uh, we have gear. We have decorations. We have food. Uh, we have all of this stuff. Uh, we have bounce houses to rent. Uh, really fun things. Uh, we have a lot of different places where our finances go in order to make this an amazing place to experience God in a tangible way. Without people who give, like most of you, we cannot operate. So I want to say thank you before we really get started in this. Thank you for all those who choose week in and week out to partner with us financially. We can't do this without you. It shows us that you are partnered with us, and we're so thankful that you choose to uh, invest in our church, invest in the kingdom of God, and invest into our community and our families. Um, so our why and why we choose to give has to be bigger than buildings and employees, though. See how I made the why bigger? Like. <laughs> Okay, our why has to be bigger than buildings and employees. And our why really goes back to 4,000 plus years ago. This is not a, a new concept. 
uh, as Ben Ewing brought up, uh, Abram, who became Abraham, he was called by God to leave his hometown and, and move everything to a place that was promised to him. Uh, he made a, God made a covenant with Abram that he would bless those who blessed him and curse those who cursed him, and that he promised that he would have uh, his children, his generations would be more numerous than the stars. And uh, that was interesting because he, he was old and he didn't have any kids at the time. So if you didn't know, uh, Abraham had his first kid at like 99, 100 years old. Anybody in here 100 years old? Anybody in their 90s and ready to have a kid? <laughs> Which is why they named him Isaac, right? Because when Sarah, Sarai, she overheard God telling Abraham this, and she laughed. And so Isaac, their son, means laughter, means to laugh. So, because it was so funny, this concept of these people. Uh, we, uh, we use terms for people in their late 30s and early 40s that get pregnant. We call those geriatric pregnancies. <laughs> What's the term for a 90-year-old giving birth? I don't know, but uh, we don't have one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a curse for sure for many of you. Okay, so uh, Abram's journey, right? He's, he's, he, he, he left everything behind. Well, he didn't leave everything. He left his homeland, and he had this huge caravan. He had so much stuff, and he's traveling, and he's just trying to go where, where God is telling him to go. He's just trying to follow God. He's trying to be a good friend, right, to God. He's trying to, to be righteous, and, and he encounters uh, this man named Melchizedek, who is referred to as a priest of the Most High God, and the reason why that is important is because there was no priesthood established, Right? Moses is the one that he comes along and God gives him the Levitical law and the Levites, right? We're one of the 12 tribes of, the 12 tribes aren't even here yet. The father of the 12 tribes aren't even here yet. So this is long before God has established priests. So this man, Melchizedek, says he's a priest of the most high God. That's really important because, what, because of what happens next. After Abram's encounter with Melchizedek, who, you can challenge me on this later, but I believe he's a pre-incarnate Jesus. Now, it's weird for me to say that, but read the book of Hebrews and get back to me on that. Okay, uh, so that's a story for another time. Uh, Abram gives him, uh, in this passage, he gives him one-tenth of everything he has. He has this amazing uh, encounter with Melchizedek and chooses to give him, the priest of the Most High God, he chooses to give him one-tenth of everything that he had, which is actually that word tithe, literally means one-tenth. Man, you can hear a pin drop. It's almost like I'm talking about money this week. Um, <laughs> we can talk about something else, you know, next week. That's fine. Uh, Abraham, you know, again, this was before the priesthood was established. This was before God had told all of the, the Israelites that they needed to give one-tenth, and we'll get to that later. Uh, but Abraham chose to bless this priest of the Most High God and receive uh, a blessing in return. And it wasn't because he had to, it's because he wanted to. It's because he wanted to. So in Leviticus chapter 27, the Lord speaks to Moses, and in verses 30 through 34, God tells his people to give one-tenth of everything to the Lord. And it has to be set apart, and it, it's very clear, he says, it shall not be redeemed, which means once you, once you give it away, you don't get it back. This is a true story. I once had someone that, that gave a very large check to my, uh, the church that I was pastoring at the time. And a couple months later, he goes, hey, can I have that money back? 
He's like, yeah, my family, we want to go to a different church, and so we want to. So I showed him this passage, and I go, shall not be redeemed, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That money's gone. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, we we tried to do our best to to honor people, but to just, you know, like, uh, it was very clear even back then. It was once once you give it to the Lord, you, it's a gift that you lay down on the altar and you, and you don't come back and return and try to get it later. Uh, and the, the best part about this, it was supposed to be the first fruits, meaning that it was not the, 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 the last pick of the litter, right? It was, it was not the runt, it was the first, it was the beginning. Uh, whatever land uh, they had, animals, fruits, vegetables, 10% of, of everything, whatever the land gave them, whatever they got, they received from the Lord, they gave it back. So what did God intend to use all this food and blessing from the land for? So this is from Deuteronomy chapter 14. Again, if you have the, the notes uh, in your bulletin, all these passages are in there. It says, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe, and tithe means what? One-tenth, right? Of your produce in the same year and laid up within your towns, and the Levite because he has no portion or inheritance with you. Uh, So what that meant was the Levites didn't get any land. So the 12 tribes of Israel, the Levites were one of the 12 tribes, and they were the priests. They were the ones that took care of the temples. They did all the offerings. So they didn't get any land. They just got to operate uh, all those places of of, of worship. And so that's why they they didn't have any money. They didn't have any land. And so they they had to rely on the other uh, 11 tribes to feed them and to give them places to live and whatnot. So, uh, so, the sojourner, uh, so the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your town shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands that you do. So why did, why did God require them to give one-tenth? Yeah, the orphans, the widows, uh, the priests, the, the priesthood, the Levites. So all the people that couldn't uh, take care of themselves, they're supposed to give one-tenth in order to do that. Uh, the temple workers, the priesthood, like I said, it was, it was for them to make uh, sure that they could always be hospitable. The sojourner, the, right, the traveler that comes from out of town, if you eat or you consume all that you have and you have nothing left to give, when someone comes into town, what do you give them? Yeah, I mean, maybe housing, and they go hungry. Uh, so this was, again, to, to make sure that they could always be hospitable, that they could meet the needs of everyone. And yes, it's, it's, this is a Jewish law. And some of you might be you know, saying, well, I mean, it's an Old Testament law. It's a Jewish law to give one-tenth in order to be in compliance with the law of Moses. But we're no longer under the law of Moses. Now we're under the law of the Spirit. That was the whole point of Galatians chapter 5 is, hey, we're not under the law. We're under the law of the Spirit. Uh, so we're not required to give one-tenth anymore. And I would say, well, uh, you are correct. You are not required to give one-tenth anymore. You're actually not required to give anything. We're under the law of the Spirit. So how do we choose what to give now that we are under the law of the Spirit? So going to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, this is Paul. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The whole purpose of doing hard work under the law of the Spirit is so that you can take care of of your families, and share with anyone in need. 
And I asked this question to, uh, to some of my friends this week. How many of us, when we think about the work that we're doing, are we so glad to make money in order to give it away to others who are in need? Every hour that we work, we think, oh, I'm so glad. I'm going to take this hour or these two hours that I work on, I'm going to give it to someone else. At least when, when I was working at, at Domino's, I remember I was trying to buy this, this Xbox, which is, you know, a, a gaming system because all my friends had it and I just wasn't cool because I didn't have one yet. And I remembered like, okay, if I take on five extra hours of, five, of, of shift work this week, I can afford that Xbox without going into debt. And so I was asking all of my friends, hey, can I take some of your hours? And after I read this passage, I thought, what if instead of working those extra hours and thinking about all the things I could buy for it myself, I would think, who can I bless with this extra income? So we are called by God to do honest work, work hard, and give to those in need. That is not an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament under the law of the Spirit. And I want to be sure that you hear me loud and clear that I'm in no way in no way, in no way bashing anyone who is on disability. There are times that I've heard preachers get up and say, I don't care if you can sit down, you can work, and you need to get a job and tie to this church. It's like, come on, man. If, you, if the government is giving you assistance because you are disabled, don't feel guilty, right? We have government assistance for that reason, uh, well, re the reason we have government assistance is because the church as a whole, that we didn't meet the needs of the people, uh, but that's another sermon for a different time. Uh, but uh, there are people who take advantage of government assistance, and maybe there's a time in your life when you did, and you need to repent of that. Uh, but just know that I and this church will never judge you for using the, the aids that the government is, is, is the aid that government is giving you. If someone has given you the label of disabled, Please never feel any guilt for allowing others to pay for your benefits. That's, this, that's, that's literally like what we should be enjoying to do is paying for those who can't work or who are labeled uh, disabled. Especially if you are disabled from the military. We as this church, we want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for putting your life on the line so that we could be safe. And the same thing goes for our law enforcement, our nurses and doctors. Thank you all for serving us even when it's dangerous. You worked hard. You put in the time. Please do not feel guilty for the money or whatever that you receive. I know there's a lot of people who I've talked to who have a lot of shame in that. And that is the enemy. That is not coming from us. You need to let that go. That's the reason why we pay taxes and, and things of the like is because we want to help those people uh, who are disabled now. Okay, so that being said, if you are able-bodied, so you're young-ish, right? And you say you can't find a job and you don't uh, work in this economy, I have to ask, why? Right, if it's a mental issue, I, I get it. I, I've been there where I've had so much anxiety that it was tough for me to, to have and to keep a job, and I had to go to a doctor, I had to go to a therapist, and I had to get help. And uh, just know that like, having mental uh, problems is, is similar to having a, a broken arm. Right? You don't keep your arm in the brace forever. You have, you have to be able to, to get through that, whatever that is, get help, 
find the right medication, whatever's going to help you to take the next steps. If you are young and and able-bodied, then get a job. There's a million jobs to work, uh, and if you need, again, if you need mental uh, help or there's there's some sort of barrier between you and getting a job, just know that that we as a church, we're not going to judge you. We're going to be patient. We're going to try to to nurse you back to health and uh, help you to to find uh, the resources that you need. Uh, Okay, Uh, the goal is always uh, getting back on your feet and working hard. The goal is not to stop working forever. I also want to say this. If you're a spouse, if your spouse makes plenty of money and you don't need to work, don't feel guilty about that, you know? That's totally okay, too. Uh, if you're anything like me, though, there's, there's times in your life where you haven't needed to work because you have a storehouse of, of finances. Uh, I get this, I, I can't rest for longer than about I don't know, 15 minutes. Uh, so uh, there's this nagging feeling within me that I have to go. I have to do something. I have to fix something, right? There's something, there's something in this house that has to be broken. I have to go. I have to fix it. Uh, or I'll break something that's uh, not broken yet. Uh, okay. Uh, I, 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 do, I also know that uh, people like me, sometimes we can be, get really unhealthy because we're, we're so driven to work. We're so driven to go. And we say, well, the, the Bible says that we have to work hard and we have to do these things, but the Bible says we also need to be a good father and a good husband or a good wife. And so don't ever use the excuse of, I have to work harder, I have to work longer in order to provide forever. There are seasons when you have to, but just know that uh, you are, are, your first calling in your ministry is to your family. So make sure that you are there, you're meeting the emotional needs of your family as well as their physical needs. Okay, so the main pushback that I get from people who aren't ready to give to churches or nonprofits is, again, that we're no, under, we're no longer under the law of Moses because Jesus abolished it. We aren't required to give 10% anymore. And again, that's true. We're now under the law of the Spirit. The Spirit does not command you to give, but He does encourage you to give. And he does so for the sake of yourself and for the sake of the gospel. So Jesus said, this is Jesus speaking, right? Jesus, not like somebody else. This is Jesus. Uh, Matthew 6, 19, 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. So not only does Jesus command us to invest in eternal things, but tells us how we can gauge what is important to us. If you want to know what you value, you need to only look at your credit cards and bank account transactions. And for most of us, the the biggest expense that we have each month is our mortgage or our rent, right? And it's like, well, I got to work extra to make sure we, yeah. And anyone that uh, is trying to buy a home right now, I'm sorry, seven, seven and a half percent interest rates. Whew. Yeah, very expensive. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I want you to know that you shouldn't feel guilty for having a mortgage or paying rent because we value safety and security for our family, which is, which is good things. Uh, the second highest item uh, is usually transportation for most American families. Uh, the average American family spends just shy of $1,000 in gas, insurance, and car payments. $1,000 a month in gas, insurance, and car payments. Okay, so then we pay for utilities, food, internet, and everything else that we need just to survive. And just uh, the the median average, the American household spends $5,000 just to break even a month. 
That doesn't include what you invest in savings or retirement or even private insurance if you have to purchase that. That is just the average American, $5,000 a month just to break even. So if you wonder why it's hard uh, for people like, oh, $17.50 an hour at McDonald's, that's a lot of money. So multiply $17.50 by 40. <laughs> if you get 40, and then times that by four, you're still two or $3,000 short a month just to break even. So it is, it is, I know it seems like oh, it should be easy for everyone to break even, but times are really tough right now. If you've had to buy groceries or do anything, gas shot up again over a dollar again. Uh, so I understand that, that finances are tight for everybody and it's difficult. And this is why I, as a pastor, I'll never tell anyone that they have to give. You never have to give. But I tell you that everyone should give something. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then Ephesians 4, 16 and 17 says, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again, uh, once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So this is the desire of God, is that we would desire to give. God's desire in our lives is that we would desire to give. And I want to be completely transparent with you. Uh, the first payment that Catherine and I make each month is our 10% tithe to the church. It's the first payment that comes out. And it's not because we're super ultra faithful, but we know that we'll be tempted not to be if, by the end of the month. Right? Because, I mean, uh, I mean, month before last, we had a $1,000 vet bill that just happened. You know, our dog got a foxtail like in her paw. We had never seen that before, but it swelled up to like the size of a softball and it scared us. So we took her in to the vet and they're like, do you have vet? Do you have insurance for your pet? It's like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, but apparently we should have had it after that $1,000 bill. Uh, so that was really exciting. Um, yeah. And they gave us some antibiotics and some anti-inflammatories and sent us home. So that was cool. Uh, but we know, we know that if we didn't start our month that way, by the end of the month, we might be tempted not to. And so in order to get rid of that temptation, it just automatically comes out the first day of every month, right? We have kids. You know, kids are just money pits. You're just dumping money into them. And they're just dumping the money out the window. It seems like there's always... My kids grow out of clothes like every other day. My son just broke another pair of shoes. It was like his third pair of shoes this summer. It was crazy. So kids, uh, you know, we have all of the bills that normal families have. Uh, plus, we both went, uh, my wife went to seminary. I went to Bible college. And so we have lots of friends that are now missionaries. And of course, we can't say no to them. And so uh, $100 a month, $150 a month. Uh, some of my friends only ask for $25 a month. Those are my true friends. So... <laughs> Yeah, Marie, if you're out there, thank you for only asking for 25. Uh, so, like, we are excited, though, to, to partner with them. It's, it's really cool because uh, what we, those finances reach people that we'll never be able to reach. We are paying for people to hear the gospel that Catherine and I will never be able to preach to. So it's, we're, we're so excited. We have so many friends that we partner with. Uh, and again, we have direct payments set up, so we're not uh, writing checks. And it happens the, the first day of the month. Because when those extra expenses come up, we have to figure out another way to pay those. We have to figure out another way. Uh, the coolest part is there's a lot of things that Catherine and I dis disagree about as far as finances are concerned. 
And where we never disagree about is giving money away to others. Like the Holy Spirit speaks to both of us. There's been times in our lives when he's asked us to give big gifts. And at first, I'm reluctant to tell Catherine because I'm afraid she's going to you know, say no. And then she'll say, hey, the Holy Spirit told me to give this big gift. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. We never disagree about giving money away. We give first. We give until it hurts sometimes, but we give together. And it makes, uh, it makes us a lot healthier uh, as a couple. We are unified in our desire to use the wealth, energy, and influence that God has given us to bless others. And it starts with our church. And I promise you that I will never ask you to do anything that I am not willing to do. I would never ask you to, to give if I'm not willing to give. I would never ask you to serve if I'm not willing to serve. So when I talk to... Uh, about giving, just know that Catherine and I are partnering with you in giving to this church as well. And, and that's not to, to brag or to boast. You just need to, you need to know that very clearly. This is not something that, that we're asking other people to do. It's the first thing that we do every month. If you want to know what we have to give to, if you're not ready to like start tithing regularly, giving regularly, we have the Harvest Carnival coming up on October 31st. We still need volunteers. We still need candy. Uh, and probably finances. Again, we have those bounce houses to afford. Uh, if you want to sponsor a bounce house or two, we could definitely make that happen. Uh, we have Thanksgiving dinners that we're going to give out to, to families in our community. Uh, Kathy uh, is going to head that up. We're excited about that. Uh, we should have more information soon at the Welcome Center. That's going to be really cool. Uh, we have the dessert auction today after church. Uh, even if you don't, like I can't have any of the desserts probably, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm diabetic. Uh, so it's like, uh, but I, maybe there's a sugar-free one. Well, I'll do my best. Uh, but you could, you could do that. Uh, you can give money even if you're not going to get it. Uh, buy a dessert and give it away to somebody else. Uh, we have kids that we could sponsor going to camp. There's so much to give to that whatever you're passionate about, you can give to that. Uh, of course, just putting it in uh, the general fund means that you trust the elders to give where we believe it is, it is best needed. Uh, and I have to mention uh, this as we're talking about it. We're going we're gonna to start it this year. It's called the Christmas Offering. And, it, and we're going to do it the whole uh, holiday season. Uh, but it's a great way to start giving if you haven't given yet. We have a bunch of projects around the church that we need to get done uh, that we can't afford currently. Um, we're gonna, we want to bless uh, some children in our community, and so we're going to find a way to partner and do that. Uh, one of the missions that we already support, we would like to, to find a way to really bless them. And basically, the more money that we get during this Christmas offering, the more that we're able to bless uh, the community. I also wanted uh, to let you know that we will be sending out a mailer here soon with the more information on that, what that's going to look like, how to give for that uh, Christmas offering. And this is something that's going to be above like your normal giving. Uh, and if you haven't started giving yet, it's a, it's a really cool time to start because uh, you can see each penny where it goes and it's going to be really cool. Um, I also wanted to let you know, if you didn't know this, that our elevator doesn't work. Right? Nothing new. Technically, we need a working elevator. And anybody that has, a, you, know, a, you know, one of those three-wheeled cars that you carry around with you, the motorized scooters or whatever, uh, we need, it's impossible for you to get to the second floor right now. Uh, we got the bill to fix it, and it's just shy of uh, $28,000. Okay? Now, 
to get a new elevator was like $200,000. So we decided the best long-term solution uh, was to, to pay this, and we're either writing the check or just wrote the check for the first half, believing that we will be able to afford the second half. So we just wrote a check for just shy of $14,000, and we're believing that we're going to be able to afford the next $14,000 because we need that elevator to work uh, in order to be able to use the second floor for anything. And we believe that that's the best long-term solution. And we just want to be completely transparent and honest with you guys. We're not begging for money. We're not anything like that. We're just trusting and believing in the Lord. We have faith. If God can raise the dead, he can raise the bread. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are trusting in faith that that's going to happen. And you guys have been such an amazing church in your giving. Like uh, normally when OCF partners with a church, they're 15, 20, 30, $40,000 behind. And OCF has to write a big check just to get them back to zero. But that wasn't the case with y'all. Even, even when we were small in number, you were giving far greater than your numbers would imply. So thank you for being a faithful church because we are able to write that first check because you have been faithful the entire time. And since I've been here, I've been so proud of you as you have embodied uh, this mentality of the early church. If you didn't know the restoration movement, the whole point is that we want to get back to how the early church did things, to restore the way that the early church operated. So I'm going to read these passages, and they are actually two different passages, though they sound very similar. So Acts, right? That's the beginning of the church. That's how the church started. So this is Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And you all have sacrificed. You all have been intentional to give through the change, through the hardships you went through prior to, to me coming, and even more so after my getting here, uh, the pain and the change, of course. Uh, so I just want to say again, thank you for being a faithful church. Thank you. I love you all. Uh, you are my forever family, and I'm forever grateful that we are partnered financially in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to answer this question simply of how, when, where, why do we give, it is this. We give what we have because God's the one that gave it to us. We give what we have because God is the one that gave it to us. What you invest in is where your heart will be. So invest in things that are eternal, not temporary. What you have to answer in your life is if the Holy Spirit is in charge of your bank account and balancing your books, where would he choose to spend the money that's coming in? Everyone in this room has a different amount of income and outcome, but everyone in this room is able to give something. I'm going to call the, the worship team back up. So my challenge for everyone who's hearing this in this room or, or online is simply this. Uh, God, what, what would you have me give? God, what would you have me give? Maybe you can only afford, uh, maybe you can't uh, afford 10%, but maybe you can't afford 10% at this time. But you could afford $20 a month, which is $5 a week. 
And again, we're not hurting financially as a church, but there's a lot that we would love to do, that we would love to be able to uh, make things better that we just can't afford right now. And every dollar you give to this church counts. I also would encourage you to give to more places than just this church, right? Adopt kids overseas financially. Uh, help uh, fund places like Joe's Place, the Pregnancy Care Center, OCF. It is never too late to start giving. And anyone who is, uh, you know, who is, who's had a farm, if you want a shade tree, when's the best time to plant one? 20 yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. We can't go back in time, so when's the next best time to plant a tree? Today. Let's pray. So, Father, we're so thankful that you have chosen to bless us with, with so much. So, God, help us to be a people that intentionally bless others. God, in all that we say and we do, we ask that your spirit would be in the driver's seat, that no one would ever feel that they have to give out of obligation, that they would give because they love you and they love others. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.